You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. If if, if, if your blood runs orange and blue, 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 this this is the pod for you. you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. We're taking it to the sixth on this episode of Orange and Blue Bloods. This is EJ Stewart joined by Tommy Beer. Big show lined up today. We'll be talking about the Knicks-Raptors matchup Friday night. Knicks trying to avenge uh, their previous loss to the Raptors. A 50-point performance from Pascal Siakam. We'll see if they'll be able to contain him a little better in this matchup uh, this evening. We'll also be talking about all-star voting. Yes, the, uh, the all-star voting has been released the first round of, of, of ballots and, and, and results. And a little disappointing when you talk about the Knicks and where they stand in terms of the uh, numbers. So we'll talk about that and why Knicks aren't getting more love for all-star voting. And we'll bring back a segment I hope you guys have been enjoying. Temperature check, where we take a look, a deep dive into a particular player on the New York Knicks. And today, we'll be talking about a fan favorite, Emmanuel Quickly. See how the third-year guard has been doing and, and what his future holds in New York. So plenty to get to on this episode of the pod. Joining me, of course, again, is Tommy Beer. Tommy, what's up, dude? TGIF, EJ. Made it through yeah, another no. week. And, uh, yeah, should be a little, uh, little uh, Raptors action tonight. So uh, let's get into it. Let's talk about it. So the uh, Knicks are looking to extend their win streak to four games when they take on the Raptors in Toronto. Knicks won a nail-biter over the Spurs Wednesday night. Uh, so they're now trying to continue the winning ways here. The last time these two teams played was a memorable one, particularly for the Toronto Raptors. As I said, Pascal Siakam scored 52 points in a December win over the Knicks. That win snapped an eight-game win streak for New York, uh, but the Raptors have really failed to capitalize on that momentum. Since that win, Toronto is just two and four. So, uh, Tom, let's get right into it. Keys to Knicks victory Friday night over Toronto. Yeah, listen, you know, you just look at the standings, you look at the record. Obviously, the Raptors aren't where you thought they'd be and where they wanted to be. And, and a lot of it has to do with their struggles. Um, we mentioned that the Raptors snapped the Knicks eight game winning streak last time they played. It also snapped a Raptors six game losing streak. Um, but if it, it, it's, it, you know, that's it's one of those situations where the record doesn't necessarily um, correctly convey just, uh, you know, the, the state of the Raptors. Because if you look at the schedule, they've had one of the tougher months that you're going to see at, at any point in NBA. Um, I'll just give you their last uh, 11 games here. So they uh, lost to the Nets, lost to the Warriors, lost to the Sixers in OT. Then they beat the Knicks in the Garden. Uh, two days later, beat the Cavs in Cleveland, mm-hmm. came home. They lost to the Clippers, good team, obviously, lost to the Grizzlies, uh, 
Beat the Suns, good team. Went to Indiana, lost to the Pacers. Just lost to the Bucks in OT after a miraculous comeback to force OT. Um, you know, so they haven't lost to a bad team uh, really in about a month. Um, and, yes. and and while their wins aren't obviously, you know, you know, sixteen to twenty-two in the season is not acceptable for anyone in Toronto. Obviously, doesn't meet their expectations. This is a better team than their record says they are. Um, and the when again when they came into the garden and beat the Knicks to snap that eight-game winning streak, they were on that six-game losing streak. And we talked about it at the time. They were the more desperate club. Um, right. looked like they were willing to fight and scratch and claw for every loose ball, and that manifested itself um, in a victory for the Raptors. Nick should accept that same frantic energy um, from Nick Nurse and Pascal Siakam and FEV because um, those guys are going to be desperate for victory. They've lost four of their last five. Um, they have another tough game Sunday at home against Portland um, before the, their schedule finally lightens up a little bit next week. They play the Hornets um, in back-to-back games, so they should be able to get off the schneid at that point. But, um, yeah, listen, we, we we know about what Siaka brings to the table. We know what OG Ananobi, um, a great two-way wing, one of the better defensive players in the NBA. Fred Van Vliet's an elite point guard, so Knicks have to come with their A game. Um, it should be an interesting test for both clubs tonight. Yeah, it it will be, and and the Raptors are always an interesting team because they're 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 kind of built in some ways, probably how people see the future of the NBA. Um, a lot of guys who can play multiple positions, a lot of guys who are switchable. Um, so so when you play a team like the Knicks, who sometimes play a more older brand of basketball, I do think they present problems. We saw that in the last game uh, when when they played, where uh, Siakam essentially was a, a matchup nightmare. The Knicks couldn't find a person to to, to put on him to slow him down. Uh, I think we saw with some of their defensive uh, versatility, their ability to go zone, their ability to switch screens. Uh, their, their ability to, to switch on to Jalen Brunson or smaller guards with some of their bigger players and still stay in front. So so they present some challenges. I agree. This is a team that is struggling, but is not a team that's lacking talent. I think uh, for the Knicks, uh, a couple of things I want to see. One, I, I mentioned zone execution. That is has been a – I mean, I talked about it um, in, in, after the Christmas game. That has been a major issue for, for us and the Knicks' inability to execute offense uh, against zone defense the Raptors uh even though pretty much every team will try to play zone against the Knicks if the Knicks are playing well because the Knicks can't execute against zones uh the Raptors regularly like to play zone and throw zone in from time to time so uh I expect the Knicks to see set, uh, plenty of that uh I don't know how much of a percentage I'd put between zone and man but maybe 35 percent of this game they'll be playing zone I think the Knicks are gonna have to execute that you're gonna have to see some shot making likes of Quentin Grimes and Emmanuel quickly Jalen Brunson Randall of course uh, so their ex- ability to execute in the zone, I think, will be key. And what do they do with Pascal Siakam? I mean, their their strategy last time, um, the guys they put on him, they, they had no answer. So uh, do they double him if he gets going? Uh, do they send different bodies at him? I know a lot of, a lot of the last game we saw Julius Randle guarding him. Um, I don't expect you'll see somebody like, you know, Reddish come off the bench to guard him. But, you know, does Grimes get more time on him? Like, how do they, how do they figure out that matchup is going to be key, I think, in this one? Yeah, it'll be interesting. Also, does Tibbs, you know, uh, if obviously Barrett's the only player that's ruled out, um, 
uh, Obi Toppin, you know, we'll talk about him. He's available. Uh, we'll see if he yes. gets, we'll see if he gets into the, you know, see if he gets some minutes. Um, Obi's uh, specialty is not defense, um, but you know, with with Barrett out, might Reddish get a few minutes? Of, you know, we talked about it last week. Maybe just throw some different bodies, throw some different looks at Siakam because what they did last time didn't work. Um, and the other thing to just just to note uh, in their win over the Bucks, as, as I mentioned, they were down. I think it was sixteen points with like a minute and a half left. Oh yeah, it was just a. a I think they were down at 20, I think. It was like 21. I think it was 20 with three minutes left. Yeah. Um, you know, just about tw- or 21 points with three minutes left, and then it was like 15 with 90 seconds left. Yeah. It was just a every one of those you know situations where everything had to go crazy, and it did. But and um, somehow the Bucks still um, got their footing back in overtime and won. But um, I, I just wanted to point out that, like the uh, you know, Tibbs is one of the few coaches that really relies heavily on his stars. Nick Nurse is cut from the same cloth. Minutes played in that Bucks game on on Wednesday night. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, 47 minutes. OG, 46 minutes. Gary Trent, 45 minutes. Siakam, 42 minutes. Barnes, 35 minutes. He basically only plays an eight-man rotation. Um, we'll see if those guys are a little bit tired. You know, obviously they've had a day off and um, they should be good to go, but just just something to keep in mind. Um, uh, yeah, but just the, as far as Siakam goes, um, you know, obviously Randall's going to get the first crack at him. Um, Randall's a prideful guy. Um, you know, he does, you know, you know, he, you know, he heard about the, the, the MSG, you know, the, the, the Siakam career high. Um, let's yep. see if he comes out fired up and he has done better of late. Um, but again, this is going to be a all hands on deck, um, situation for the, for the Knicks. And, um, I, I did, I did notice Scotty Barnes played better in that, that Bucks game. Um, he's yes, kind he of struggling so far this season. So he made some big plays down the stretch. That's the thing about the Raptors. I mean, if you try to double Siakam, but you know, um, um, they have guys that can burn you. Gary Trent's a good outside shooter. OG can knock down three-pointers. Fred Vivley's a very good point guard. Um, you know, even some guys they bring off the bench like Boucher and, and Precious Achua, um, who, didn't, who wasn't available last time Knicks, Knicks played them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's something that the Knicks will have to keep their eye on. So, um, yeah, it's a, a lot of matchup problems, um, but, uh, you know, so we'll see. Um, but again, yeah, just as far as the Siakam in, you know, question specifically, um, obviously Randall gets first crack, but don't be afraid to try some different gimmick defenses, um, some things to slow him down if he really gets hot again. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and when I think about other matchups in this game, I'm looking at the point guard matchup. I mean, you mentioned Fred Van Vliet, and, and we know what Jalen Brunson has done this year. It is fascinating to think about last offseason and the Knicks, you know, pursuit of a point guard, or not last offseason, but two offseason guard, not at this point. Their pursuit of a point guard, and some fans and some media members wondering, you know, you know, could they get a guy like Fred Van Vliet in here? You know, was he a guy that would be interested in coming to the Knicks? And he eventually decided to go back to the Raptors. It didn't appear that there was much serious – uh, negotiating happening between the Knicks and Van Vliet. Uh, and sometimes it, it kind of shows you that, you know, sometimes missing out on a guy might not be the worst thing in the world. Uh, Fred Van Vliet is a, is a, is a pit bull. Uh, I love the way he defends. He's a big shot maker. But, uh, you know, he's shooting 37 stuff in the field this year. And he's not necessarily a, a, uh, a efficient offensive player. He's even smaller than Jalen Brunson is. Brunson has so far been a much better fit. And, um, and it just kind of goes to show you that sometimes, uh, you know, losing out on a guy isn't the worst thing in the world. And, and sometimes the shiny object uh, is doesn't isn't that shiny when you get closer to it, whatever that saying is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was a big and I remain a big fervent Lee Flan. I, I yeah. you know, I, I wanted the Knicks to sign him, so I'll, I'll put myself in that camp. Um, but you're right, uh, he he has had a down year, um, 37 percent from floor, 32 percent from downtown. 
Um, and, uh, you know, due to his size, is, is it difficult? Um, you know, he's not a great defender as well. He's very similar to Brunson in a lot of ways, but Brunson is definitely having um, a better a better season as it goes. He's also Brunson's also three years younger than, than Van Vliet. Yeah. So, um, I would love – FEV can be my point guard any day, especially in a big spot. Um, but, yeah, you're right. It's uh, funny how things work out. Um, Nick certainly uh, wouldn't wouldn't trade Jalen Brunson for, for too many guys right now. That's uh, especially guys, you know, outside of the very top elite tier of point guards. Um, Brunson's climbing his way um, up the uh, up the ranks. Yeah, spectacular season from Brunson. Should be a good matchup. Knicks Raptors, 7.30 start in the sixth. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And speaking of Jalen Brunson, Jalen Brunson, some would say, is having an all-star caliber season. I think most would say he's having an all-star caliber season. Along with Julius Randle, also having an all-star caliber season. So, there was some anticipation for the first round of bowling results to be revealed for the NBA All-Star Game. And despite some banner years from Brunson and Randall, very little presence on the leaderboard for the New York Knicks. So Kevin Durant of the Nets and LeBron James of the Lakers were the leading vote getters for their respective Eastern and Western conferences. Only one Nick finished in the top 10 at their position in total votes. Derek Rose. Derek Rose currently in ninth among guards. So uh, we know how great Randall's been, particularly of late. We know how great John Brunson has been all season. Neither man placing in the first round of voting. Tommy, what is the deal with this? Why are Nick players not getting more love for the All-Star voting? What is it? What is your theory behind this? Um, yeah, this, this is exhibit a of why you should not argue with people on the internet, because there are, there are folks out there that are, that are voting for Kyle Kuzma and, and Nick Claxton, um, ahead of Randall and, and the like. So, um, you know, I never try to get too worked up in the, in the all-star fan voting, especially, um, especially because it only counts. I would, it's 50% of the, the fans yes. account for 50% of the vote, right? And then the media and the players account for the other 25% respectively. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. And that's just the starters. And then the, then the, the you know, the, the, the coaches reserve. decide they all the reserves. Yeah. Right. Right. So really the only way that Knicks would get impacted is if a guy that wouldn't make the team, you know, what Randall or Brunson would get impacted is if a guy that wouldn't make the team is voted as a starter. We kind of saw that last year with Wiggins. Wiggins. It was last year that Wiggins got voted Andrew Wiggins was voted yeah. in. Yeah. Right. So he probably wouldn't have made the all-star team as reserve. So that probably knocked someone else out. Um, uh, from the Western Conference last season. So I don't think that'll be the case this year. It looks like the front court um, will be Durant, Giannis, and Embiid. As expected, obviously, Tatum is, is fourth. Those three guys are, are locks for the, for the Ulster team. And then in guards, you have Kyrie and Donovan Mitchell. So it's potential that Kyrie, if Kyrie gets voted in, it looks like that could be the case, um, dependent upon, um, you know, you know. It, I guess he'd probably make it as reserve, given how well the Nets are playing lately. Yeah. You know, as I guess that you know, and he hasn't, you know, those those five games that he missed during the quasi suspension, um, 
could uh, could impact him as well. But he'd probably make it anyway. So it's not it's not like uh, you know some somebody um, that that totally off the radar is going to knock a Nick out. And you know I think we we kind of went in assuming that Randall and Brunson would be named reserves. Um, so I don't think it uh, impacts the, um, the the Knicks' hopes too much. I wouldn't say. Yeah, I don't I don't think so either. I think it was um, it was annoying. To see right. that you know there was no love for some of the Nick guys. It's interesting. I saw an interesting theory. I don't know who put it on Twitter, but so apologies for me talking about it and not mentioning you. But um, they mentioned how like this maybe could be um, kind of the exhibit eight of why Nick fans talking so poorly about some of their players actually hurts them and things like this. Like so, for example, a guy Julius Randall, who we talk about, uh, he should be traded, and whenever he plays terrible, we throw him under the bus. Um, here where he clearly is deserving to be among the top 10 front court players for all-star voting um, fans around the league that, you know, maybe aren't following Nick so closely. Maybe are just kind of listening to whatever uh, Nick's Twitter is saying about their players. Uh, maybe they look at Randall. They don't really kind of see how well he's played. Um, and, and that was something I did think about now uh, since Brunson's got here, he's gotten almost nothing but praise. I think that would kind of, you know, maybe put a little bit of a damper on that. I mean, uh, the Brunson uh, love is all over Nick's Twitter um, pretty much since he stepped on a, a Masters Garden floor in preseason. So uh, uh, maybe maybe not so much to give into that, but it's, it's something I thought about. But as you guys know, as I said on this on this pod, like I am, um, I l- care too much about All-Star games. And this part of it, I think, is the worst. I am. I, I don't believe that the fans should have a vote for all-star starters i don't believe fans should vote for anything to do with the all-star game not just in uh in the nba but in also major league baseball like to me all-star games are used to get guys money there are bonuses involved there there are a lot of things that are involved uh uh, trade value it, it impacts that like there are a lot of things that are actually tangible with the league that matters when it comes to all-star appearances now maybe the all-star game doesn't matter but being an all-star doesn't matter so when you put it into the fans and you see they're voting for derrick rose like to me it's just like okay you clearly lost your credibility when it comes to uh fan voting and then what i get all the time is well it's a fans game these are people that want to these are people that people want to see i i would anticipate maybe 20 percent of like nba fans actually vote for the all-star game like, I did vote for the first time this year, but it was the first time in a long time. Like, I haven't voted in, like, eight years, maybe. Like, I don't know. Like, I may vote for Kamal Anthony back in the day. Like, I don't really vote for the All-Star game. So, like, the idea that this is representative of what the fans actually want to see is nonsense. I mean, you said we had Andrew Wiggins one year. There was one year Zaza Pachulia was, like, right on the outside looking in for the front court players. I mean, it was ridiculous. So, I, I, I don't I don't understand why we keep this farce going on that, somehow putting the fan vote out there is going to increase engagement in people watching the all-star game. I think it's nonsense. And uh, this is just another example of that. Yeah. I think um, I'm going to guess that, you you know, that you to, to vote, you have to go on the NBA all-star presented by AT&T. It's, you know, it's a lot of it's, you know, it's a process. Yeah. It's a, I, I almost quit. I, when I was doing it, when I got to the point where it said NBA ID and I had to remember what my personal ID was, I almost gave up. 
But yeah, I, I mean, the, the 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 moral of the story is that you went on to NBA.com. You know, you you know, you saw AT and T. So it's a lot. You know, a lot of it's you know clicks and views and, and all that stuff is is wrapped in, up into it. Uh, so for that reason, I don't expect it to stop anytime soon. Um, you know, maybe they decrease the percentage it counts from twenty five percent. You know, from fifty percent to twenty five percent. But yeah, a lot of it obviously is 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 generating. Um, uh, interactions and, and, uh, you know, engagement with the media, you know, um, I'm just looking at the site here tomorrow marks the next three for one day when each fan vote will count three times, you know, um, there's, there's, there's yeah. if you're getting wrapped up in that, then it's, you know, um, kind of tells you all you need to know, but uh, yeah, for, from a Knicks perspective, I think, um, the moral of the story is that it wasn't, um, what you don't want to see is a guy like Kuzma, uh, you know, first in, you know, or uh, one of the top three front court spots or a big yeah. hero, um, something along those lines that, that could, t- that potentially could knock out a Nick um, either, you know, be it Randall or, or Brunson. So it, it seems like those guys will have a good shot. Um, and again, a lot of it has to do with their individual performance um, and, and, and production uh, efficiency, et cetera. But a lot, a lot has to do with the Knicks record. If the Knicks continue to stay a few games above 500, I think that's going to go a long way um, towards getting, um, if they are, if they are three games above five, you know, if they're, if they're consistently in the, if they're in the sixth seed by the time uh, the, the, the reserves have to be announced, at least one Nick will make it. I feel very, I think so too. you know, if they can climb in fifth or, or even stay, if they can stay in that, if they can stay, um, you know, maybe improve, get four or five games above 500. I think you've got a good chance of getting two in. Um, but that that's what would be very interesting when the debate comes down to whether it's Randall or Brunson, if they only get one in. My sense is it'll probably be um, uh, which is the uh, which is the more feasible route. You know, in other words, do they right. have to knock out a guard or knock out a forward? Um, yeah. You know, that, that, that may have just as much to do with which one of the two gets in as which one of the two is more valuable or playing better this season. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to get interesting because I, I, when I, when I, when I was doing the vote, I was kind of looking at some of these other players and, you know, because we're all Knicks world right now, like, you know, Oh, you know, we follow in the NBA, but some of these guys are kind of like, oh, that guy's a little better numbers than I thought. Like, I was like, oh, that's cool. That when you were better when, than I thought. When you were doing it and looking at it, where did you, did, did, like, what percentage now would you say Randall, you know, uh, get is an all star? Um, and what percentage is Brunson right now, would you say, is, is, uh, is it all? I feel like when I looked at the numbers, it looked like Randall had a much more easy route than. He has an easier Brunson. path. Okay. Like, like, to me, like, I, I would put Randall at probably like. 65 percent what what is yeah. the guy that like it'll let's say it comes down to randall and you know the, the last two spots or less three spots is down to two of these players get in and one guy gets bounced like what is there is there a guy that you're looking at like oh this is gonna be tough well for me with the guards uh for for brunson i was very concerned about i, I mentioned garland i uh, trey young his team is awful but he's he's I mean, got he, he puts up video game numbers he's, like he's, he's got to get in trey young's got to get in yeah, so so Garland, and then um, I also put that the Tyler Hero is averaging twenty one points. He's shooting forty four percent from the field. The Heat have a comparable record, uh, you know. And then and then you know the the big guy and, and the guy who was a quote unquote fake All Star, uh, according to Wally Zerback, was Tyree Talbert. So um, that's me. That's three guys there, and then I didn't even mention Drew Holiday, who you know his 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 defense and what he brings on the opposite floor. So like. The guards, it's really tough in the East. When I looked at the front court players, I felt like, okay, you know, after you get past the, the big four, as you mentioned, the three guys out of the top, and then 
and then one guy and, and Tatum or whoever's the last guy that misses. Now it's uh okay, maybe Siakam gets in over Randall. Right. And then after that is really nobody. Like you gotcha. gotta fill like like three guys. So okay. Randall's got gotta get one of those spots, you gotcha. know. But when you only got two guards, uh, you know, I don't know if Brunson makes that first crack as, as a as a first two guards uh that get picked. So then it becomes a wild card situation where it's not just Brunson, it's all the people who are involved. And, and then it got a lot more dicey. So I was I was concerned. I was like, oh, this is I, I think if the Knicks continue to win, the coaches will realize, OK, he's he's had a, a great season and he's the catalyst for why they're winning now. We saw what happened as, with a team that didn't happen last season. But, uh, yeah, I was I was way more concerned about uh, his all star chances than I expected to be when I was doing my voting and looking at the numbers of these players in the front court and backcourt. Jalen Brown's a, a backcourt player, uh, you know, on, on the all-star vote. He can be picked as a back. So, like, there's a lot of, like, it's it's going to be very tough. It's not going to be, like, a, a very, like a, like, a, like a, you know, an easy thing for Brunson to get in. Right, right. So, what is, is there eight frontcourt players? Is that who get? Yeah, so I believe, so it's three, so it's three frontcourt players who start, and then yep. there's three on the bench. Then you have two, uh, uh, two guards who start, two guards on the bench, and then you have two wildcard positions that could essentially be anybody. Gotcha. Now, what's interesting is the the there's a lot more leeway with how you divvy up your um reserves than you can your stars. Like your stars are whoever the NBA submits as a front court player, as a front court player. So like you know, like they put Luka Doncic as a guard, like so he's a guard, like he can't be voted as a forward in the starters. But once you get to the reserves, like I could say, look, I think Jalen Brown's great, but I think he's more of a small forward. So I could put him as a small forward. And you could be a little more liberal and say, okay, well, I think he's a front court player. I'm putting him as a front court player. So things there are certain things that could maybe help Brunson in that regard with some of these guys who are maybe guys who play on the wing. But in the East, there aren't a lot of guys like Jalen Brunson. Like it's really he's really the only guy. I mean, excuse me, uh, uh, like uh, Jalen Brown. Like he's really one of the only kind of tweener type guys that you would say, okay, maybe you could put him as a as a forward. So it's gonna be it's gonna be tricky. For what it's worth, I'm just looking at the site now. Brunson's listed as like, you know, they they kind of rank them. It's you know, they don't put one, two, three, four, but they they rank them kind of in groupings there. And then the top four, as we mentioned, are forwards. Uh, Randall's fifth in, in guards listing. Brunson's thirteenth. Uh, I'm Randall's fifth in, in in front court players. Right. Brunson's thirteenth. Um, and I'll just run down the players listed ahead of them. Uh, just the, just on on the voting screen, Donovan Mitchell, Trey Young. Right, I forgot about Donovan Mitchell, right? Yeah, yeah so did I. He was going to start probably, but yeah. No question. DeMar DeRozan, Kyrie Irving, LaMelo Ball, Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, Tyler Hero, Tyrese Maxey, Darius Garland, James Harden, Brunson, then Halliburton, Harden. and, yeah, and, Harden and DeJounte Murray. So those are the guys that'll and, – and that doesn't even include Drew Holiday – um, or or Fred VanVleet, but VanVleet won't make it. So yeah, that's you, you bring up a good point. Lamelo won't make it; hasn't played enough. Bradley Beal's been dinged up; hasn't played well enough. Zach Levine, Bulls are terrible; hasn't played well enough. The guys that Brunson will be battling against are Harden, Garland, uh, Maxi's been dinged up; he won't be in that mix. Hero, you mentioned, um, Demar Derozan. Um, those, yeah, it's 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 a crowded. I, I think that the, the NBA, to your point, there's not a lot of you know forwards. I think the NBA could use both of those wild card spots on guards. I think that's probably what they'll they'll end up doing. Yeah, I think that I think that's what's gonna happen. So it's it's gonna be okay. Like as you now know, I know way too much about how <laughs> our games are picked. So because I obsess over this for weird reasons, but um, but I'll say one quick. I I, I will just like you told the story of how you guys do New Year's, which includes, you know, 1998 viewings <laughs> of of uh, the Times Square celebration. I will reveal something that will make 
some people scratch their heads. I did not vote for Brunson or Randall. <laughs> I did not vote. And it's funny because I, I was talking to my girlfriend and I was like, can you believe this? Like Jalen Brunson and, and Julius Randall didn't get picked being the top 10 for all-star voting so far. And she was like, well, did you vote for them? I was like, no. Like, what was that? I'm like, no. You didn't vote for them? No. That was, and she was like, how could you complain about that? But then you, you, you're, you're, then you didn't vote for them when you had the chance. I'm like, look. I'm a I'm an all-star game fundamentalist. They asked me to pick the five best guys in East Conference, and I picked the five best guys. I didn't pick Brunson oh, or in, in the voting. Randall. You don't in the voting. You don't vote for ten. You just vote for five. Well, no, I mean you vote for each five in East Conference. So oh, like, so, oh, so, gotcha. so my thing is like in the Eastern oh, Conference, okay. I voted for the for the two best guards and the three best front court oh, players. Gotcha. And I did not I, – I think the guys who deserve to start are not guys who are on the Knicks. <laughs> so there were people that voted for Derrick Rose as one of the five best players in the Eastern Conference. That's how we – Yeah, they, they're voting for him to – they voted for him to start. Like, all those guards you mentioned, all those guards you mentioned, they picked Derrick Rose above all of them. Wow, wow. And that's the crazy wow. thing because I was talking to – shout out to Pat Boyle. Uh, a host on WFN, producer on WFN, and host on CBS Sports Radio as well, because he tweeted like, "What the hell is this? Like, how are Nick fans voting for Dar- Derek Rose and not Jalen Brunson?" And I'm like, "Those aren't Nick fans. Derek no, Rose has it. He has his own hive. He yeah. has his own yeah. fan base that goes outside of. They they're like the Swifties. They they work independently of anything regarding whatever team he's on. So he has just a group of fans that every year he's out there, he's gonna get votes, just like." Um, you know, like Tracy McGrady was getting all-star votes for years and years, even though he wasn't really playing that much. Uh, some of these guys, you know, they get individual fan bases and those fan bases, just they, they rally around these guys. And it's I don't get it. But but yeah, the, the Derrick Rose high. Derrick Rose is the only Nick represented. And yes, those people voted for Derrick Rose to start over the wow. likes of all the men you just named. Wow. 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 OK. OK. So, yeah, people. Wow. This is why this is why this is why get rid of fan voting. This is see, this is why you have to get rid of fan voting. Like, like again, these things matter. Like these, like if their rose, like look, their rose at the end of his career got an all-star appearance as a you know lifetime achievement award, whatever that's different. But like otherwise, like these are like real things. Like again, guys get bonuses from making all-star games. Guys will use that as leveraging contracts. Like, this is not. 100%. 100%. And, and, and just a, a, on a related note, it's the um, uh, the All-NBA teams. That's why the media, you right. know, uh, is it, it, you know, as, as the, the, the players, uh, um, uh, the Writers Association, the, the Professional Basketball Writers Association um, has asked the NBA to exclude them from, you know, because it, it's millions of dollars on the line. Yeah. Um, that super that super max contract extension, you know, whether a guy gets all NBA um, or it's all defensive team. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it gets tricky um, when when you have, you know, subjective opinions that that basically amount to guys whether they make $180 million, $212 million. Like it's a lot of money on the line for that type of stuff. And all-star games are, are some contracts, bonus structures, but especially right. that all NBA voting. At yeah, least that's, absolutely. at least that's, you You have to, and now what they do is they make, they, they uh, publish all the results. So media right. members that have insane, you know, place guys, <laughs> you know, on, on all NBA or all defensive team stuff, you know, at least they get called out for it. And then, usually get bumped off the, the voting the next year. Yeah, there. which I love, by the way. Yes. Like, I know yes. there are some people who feel like, oh, now that you're kind of inviting, you know, trolling and a lot of hate. Look, you, you got to be held accountable for that. Like, this, this is this is serious. Again, people's money is at stake. Like, you can't, you can't you know, throw in these votes and we wonder what happened. And then, you know, we look and see you're the one who 
didn't put Anthony Davis on all defensive team or something like that. Like that, right. like you know, these things matter. You know, so so yeah, I'm all for the transparency. I, I'm I love that they do that. Um, Nick fans, be better than me. Vote <laughs> Ra- Brunson, vote Randall, and be better than Derrick Rose fans. Do not vote Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose, uh, we got love for him. He's a good vet on this team. He's helping out the young guys, but he should not be going to Cleveland for this all-star or Utah. Sorry, Cleveland was supposed to be last year. Uh, Utah for this all-star game. But um, let's get to uh, a, a fun topic I love to do on this show, a way we'll wrap up the week for this week. We will do our second temperature check. So basically, it's a segment where we will dedicate entirely the conversation to one Nick to assess how they're performing this season. Uh, how the player fits within the organization and their kind of all long-term outlook uh, in terms of their individual potential. So today we're going to focus on the Knicks spark plug Emmanuel quickly. He's a, a fan favorite. He's got a lot of lovers amongst the Knicks fandom and uh, we're going to talk about him. So we've seen IQ's role and minutes increase of late due to some injuries of the key players this season. Now quickly got off to a really slow start, but with the way he's played of late, IQ is now posting some career best numbers. When I looked at him, I was a little surprised, quite frankly. Um, they're, they're very slight in terms of how much better they are than previous years, but he is, there's a slight uptick in points per game, a slight uptick in field goal percentage, um, uh, uptick in rebounds. So IQ right now is having uh, the best season of his career thus far. I'll ask uh, uh, Tommy, how do you assess how IQ has played this season? I think you have to be really happy if you're a Knicks fan of, of, of what you've seen from quickly this season. Um, just in the last five games, um, his, his numbers have really been impressive. Obviously um, the last five games coincide with replacing RJ Barrett in the starting lineup over that time. You know, we talked about it uh, on yesterday's pod. He leads the league in minutes played averaging over 43 minutes per game, um, averaging 21.2 points, 7.4 assists, 5.6 rebounds, um, 1.2 steals, uh, just 1.2 turnovers. That's 7.4 assists versus 1.2 turnovers. That's a really, really impressive number um, for a guard that has only made 12 starts in his entire career. Um, yeah. Again, would you like the percentages to bump up a little bit? Sure. Shooting 39% from the floor, 30% from downtown. But if your biggest complaint about quickly is, you know, is, 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 a, is field goal percentage, um, then you're kind of missing the point. Um, and, yeah. and, I, and I think you're going to be complaining for a lot of his career. A hundred percent. And uh, I think it was Monty Williams who said, you know, he's kind of Jamal Crawford-ish um, in, in kind of what he brings to the table. So, um, you know, there's going to be nights when he's off. There's going to be nights when he's when he's knocking down shots. Um, so there's just there's just a lot to like about um, the evolution of his game, um, especially from the defensive end. A little bit stronger, has increased his, his finishing ability around the rim, added some muscle in the offseason. Um, it's also helped him on the defensive end, fight through picks, um, plays the right way, um, plays with confidence, unselfish when he needs to be, a good facilitator, sees the floor well. Um, good teammate by by all accounts. Um, he's one of those guys that um, generates a lot of love from his teammates and, and a lot of praise from the head coaching, uh, fr- from the from the coaching staff. So, um, you know, uh, is he going to develop into a top tier starter? And, and will he be in the all star conversation as a starting point guard? Almost certainly not in his career. You know, he's, he's a little bit below that level type of player. Um, but if his upside is a, is a sixth is a sixth uh, a six man, he can be one of those guys, a Lou Williams, um, a Jamal Crawford type player the thing that uh, you know where he's in the six-man conversation year after year the thing about 
uh, IQ that separates himself from those other players is that he's just as good defensively, um, yeah. which is, you know, which is something that you don't find too often. Yeah. I also think of my guy, Jordan Clarkson as well. Another, yep. another stellar six man. Uh, I, I've grown to really love how a man quickly has played this season, particularly of late. I mean, the, the, the one thing that stands out has been the defense because the defense was there really even before the shot started to come around. I mean, he, he, he's always been a pretty decent defender, but uh, this year he's kind of become like a difference bigger defenseman. I mean, all the defensive metrics suggest that when he's on the floor, Knicks are a much better defensive team. And that when he's guarding certain players, he's giving those guys hell. And like the eyeballs suggest that too. Like some sometimes you see the game, you're like, oh, really? Like those are the numbers? Like it doesn't really see, feel that way when you, when you watch. It feels that way when he's on the floor, that the Knicks are a much better team defensively when he's out there. And when you're talking about a guy who he's not like he's not like a little guy, but he's a six three, you know, six two, six three. He's not like a, a, a big guard For, to have a, a guy who can make that kind of impact and not necessarily be one of these bigger, more athletic players. Um, it, it is a great testament to just how hard he's working on that end and, and the, the pit bull mentality he's brought. So defense has been stellar. And like I said recently, I saw yeah, I said he's been shooting the crap out of the ball a couple of podcasts ago. Like, I mean, he's really starting to shoot the ball really well. And, and he's start, starting to kind of become a complete scorer who can score now on all three levels because we knew he hit the shot from deep, even if he's streaky. We knew he had the Florida game, even though it's streaky. Most of his game is streaky. But he was really not good finishing at the rim. He, he was not athletic enough. He was not strong enough. And that was one of the things I looked at and I said, man, if he never figures that out, like not only may he not really reach his potential, but like he, he had defenses, defenses may actually find ways to guard him. Like he, we may actually see his offense kind of take a little bit of a not a, like a, not gonna crater, but his offense in fact may dip a little bit once people realize that he, like you just have to take away the jump shots and the floaters, like just make him get to the rim because he's too small, he's not athletic. Now you're seeing him, he's got a little more girth, he's got a little more uh, strength, and now you're seeing him finish through contact, you're seeing him finish at the rim, and that now makes him a a, a much more tougher player to guard because he can beat you on three levels. He's got a great handle. Um, he becomes tough to stop. So. Quickly, I think, has really been one of the unsung heroes of this next season thus far. No question. Led the team in plus-minus last season, second in the team in plus-minus this year. Team just plays better when he's on the floor. Um, and again, it's just, you know, uh, you know, we've 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 uh, uh, criticized Leon Rose for the mistakes he's made and the, and the front office. Those guys deserve credit for picking Emmanuel quickly at 20. Absolutely. Um, looking at context, that 2020 draft, um, there are four players from that draft that have thus far in their career with three, two, you know, or, um, you know, about 150 between 200, almost, almost 200 games played for, for most of those guys, um, around 175, 181 for quickly. Um, there are four players from that draft class that have thus far in their career, uh, tallied 2000 points, 500 rebounds, 500 assists, Anthony Edwards. Tyrese Halliburton, LaMelo Ball, and Emmanuel Quickly. Um, and, and that's even despite the fact that he's outside the top 10 in minutes played. He has far fewer games started, far, far fewer games started than those guys. Again, as I mentioned, Quickly just 12 games started in his career, um, still putting up those 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 numbers consistently. Um, you know, you look at the, the three-point percentage, the, the three-point accuracy, free throw accuracy, 88%, 89% free throw shooter. Very rare to find those guys um, at any point in NBA history. Um, so that kind of leads, you know, again, leads you to believe that the mechanics and, and everything 
everything that you look for in a shooter are there. Um, he's going to get hot and, and go on a, a month where he's going to shoot 40% from three. It's, it's only a matter of time. Um, but again, I, I, I bring up those other numbers to just kind of point out the fact that he finds ways to contribute. Um, and, and those guys are incredibly valuable. You know, fourth in, in win shares, um, uh, in box plus minus near the top of his draft class, and VORP, all those advanced metrics, um, fifth in VORP behind only Halliburton Ball, Desmond Bain, and Anthony Edwards, um, ahead of Maxi, ahead of Sadiq Bay. Um, so, yeah, it's it just it, when you look at the big picture, um, it's, it's again, are there, are there, are there are flaws in the game? Certainly. Um, you know, uh, but it, you, you have to believe that there, there's a good chance that he's, that he's on the right trajectory going forward. So you have to, you know, there's a lot of reasons to be excited about, uh, you know, his, his career is, uh, thus far his, his performance this season, and then, you know, going towards, uh, looking, looking forward, uh, for, for the rest of his career. The, the next big question is it puts the Knicks in a bit of a bind this, this off season when you try to yeah. figure out what's this kid worth. Yeah, and that's that's exactly where I wanted to go because I had a very interesting take. I think we 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 didn't talk about it. I think we we weren't on the pod when I was tweeting about this. Um, but it was around the time the a man trade trade rumors really got popping, which is again right before I think we started doing these episodes. Um, to me, I thought it it was a clear indication that the Knicks brass had decided that they were going to pay Obi and not Emmanuel quickly. That they had decided that. Um, a man quickly was more expendable in that in that uh, conversation. I think that was a time where Randall we was still a little unsure about what he was going to be, and Obi had you know the times where he looked like you know a guy who could be a future All Star in some of those early games this season. And I said, I think this is why you're seeing these Emmanuel quickly trade rumors. It sucks. I don't think he should be gone, but I think that that's what's happened. I almost wonder now with what we've seen with Obi trade rumors, it has there been a flip? Like, like, has Nick front office decided, hey, Randall seems like he's on the right track. He seems like he's doing all the right things. And Emmanuel quickly just looks more and more ex, uh, indif- indispensable as opposed to expendable. I, I kind of wonder if they're looking at him now and saying, okay, this is a guy that we need to invest in. Because I, I, I certainly feel that way. Like, I I, I think letting Emmanuel quickly go, um, whether it be uh, in, you know, restricted free agency the following year or for, uh, you know, getting pennies on the dollar on a trade, I think would be silly for a team that's trying to build a winning culture. Like, to me, Emmanuel quickly is the kind of player that whenever the Knicks figure this thing out, and who knows when they're going to figure it out, it feels like Emmanuel quickly will be part of that conversation. Like, like, he may not be a starter. He may not be the best player, but he's going to be part of that mix, just like, you know, John Starks was a part of that mix of Knicks teams when they got it together. You know, certain guys are just glue guys. And to me, quickly, he kind of exemplifies that. So I wonder if the front office may be seeing things a little differently now. A hundred percent. And he's a part of the guy that's part of the solution. You know, like he's he's you're right. Whenever they do figure it out, you can't have enough guys that that play the right way, that compete defensively, that don't make no. He could have made noise when he was off, coming off the bench last year, um, despite the fact that that Rose was injured and um, you know and, and Kemba had been had been banished. So uh, he's just he's done everything you could ask for up to this point in his career, and he just again. Uh, RJ Barrett goes down, he slides into the starting lineup. Uh, Brunson is sidelined. He can, he can play point guard. If, you know, if they need somebody at the two, he can slide over to the two. Um, he can come off the bench. He can start, he can contribute defensively. He's a great rebounder, sees the floor. Well, high assist, high assist rate versus a low turnover ratio. Those are just winning players. 
Um, and especially, especially in today's NBA, um, you can't have enough guys that can contribute on the perimeter, in the backcourt, on both ends of the floor. Those, those guys are few and far between. Um, while his ceiling may not be as high as Obi Toppin, if Obi Toppin ever played, you know, 29, you know, 34 minutes a night and really, you know, developed a three-pointer and, and, and yeah. you know, uh, fixed the, the holes in his game defensively, he has that, that type of, you know, 6'9", good shot he has that that athletic profile that allows that enables him to be you know an elite nba player if everything goes right but yeah uh, iq's floor is so much higher than ob toppins right. you know you just if you if he just plays in bets um somebody that can stick around the league for 13 years um quickly is the type of player that can do that um so uh yeah if, i mean if you have to if you have to choose um yeah i think quickly is the safer bet the smarter bet um that's not the saying that the knicks have to choose there's there's obviously um avenues and then yeah. there's there's a range of possibilities that enables um the New York front office to, to maintain both their young guys, both drafted in the same draft class to stick together, both good friends. Um, so you, you'd like to see them, them kind of build that, that going forward. Um, but yeah, just in terms of his versatility, his availability, his ability, um, IQ check so many boxes. And that's the kind of guy you want um, when you're building a culture of winning in a franchise. Yeah. And, and then when I think of just what I want to see from IQ moving forward, uh, just, just, we got to see some, just some offensive consistency, you know, yes. um, yes. you know, like we know how lethal he could be offensively. Like we've seen these games where he's hitting these 30 foot bombs, getting the guard and crowd on their feet, or he's kind of just taking over certain parts of our games offensively. We just need to see that consistently. You know, I think sometimes he gets in his own head uh, when he kind of tries to figure out, okay, do I need to be a distributor? Do I need to be a scorer? Um, and, and I think we're starting to see a lot bit of a, a better balance in that, especially when he's been playing these extended minutes, because now he's getting to shoot and pass. So he's, you know, some of these games been getting 25 shots, but then also getting, you know, 10 assists because he's playing enough minutes to, to do that. I think sometimes when he has these limited roles and he gets in the game, he doesn't quite know what, what impact, what he needs to bring to that, to the game in that particular game. Cause every game is different. Sometimes the Knicks need him to come in there and score. Sometimes the Knicks need him to, uh, you know, set the table and facilitate. I think they need that a lot more when Deuce McBride's out there and he's not as sure of himself as maybe someone like Derrick Rose is uh, running the team. Um, so I think IQ being able to kind of consistently figure out what his role is and to play at that consistent level, I think, is the next step. Um, we know, again, we talked about the efficiency. It, 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 I don't want to say it's a problem per se because, I mean, that's who the player he is. But you like to see it go up a little bit, you know. For a guy who we know can shoot the ball, um, he shoots an extremely high percentage from the free throw line, though it's a little bit down this year, just like the entire team, um, except for I guess RJ. But uh, but but like we know he can shoot the ball. So to me, like that three point percent, that shouldn't be any below that shouldn't be lower than thirty five percent. Like he he's a good shooter. Um the field goal percentage, uh he just takes some better shots, takes some smarter shots. He should be shooting, you know, 43%, 44%. Like if he can live at those numbers, those aren't crazy high pitches, you know. But if he does that. You'll see those points sky up. You'll see uh, the Knicks win sky up, uh, you know, uptick, because I think that means he'll be having a, a positive impact. I think those are realistic goals for Emmanuel quickly, and I hope that he can maybe um, – he's not going to get there for the for the, for the the totality of the season because of how poor he started. But if he can shoot that way the rest of the season, which I don't think is impossible, I think the Knicks can uh, see that that whatever the ceiling of their potential is this season is going to have to involve Emmanuel quickly playing at a high level and playing more efficiently. 37 assists, six turnovers in the five games since he started. Can't, can't Stellar. That. Stellar. So uh, with that being said, that's going to do it for this edition 
of the Orange and Blue Bloods podcast, a uh, New York Knicks podcast hosted by Odyssey and WFAN. Of course, if you enjoy these episodes of Orange and Blue Bloods, make sure you uh, listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. That includes the free Odyssey app. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast page and hit the auto download feature on whatever uh, streaming service you use. So you can get these episodes every time we drop. We drop three times a week. This is the third one for this week. So that means we'll be seeing you guys next week. So, uh, Tommy, let the people know where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. Everyone, enjoy the weekend. Take care. And I uh, share those sentiments. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody. You can find me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter. At EJ on Instagram and TikTok. That will do it for now. Tommy, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.